When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, Brandon Harvey here. And before we get started today, I wanted to tell you about a very important survey we're conducting here at Sounds Good. And we'd really like for you to participate. The survey is anonymous, it won't take much time, and it will help us learn more about you, no matter how long you've been a listener or how frequently you listen to the show. So please take a few minutes and go to gradient.is slash podcast survey and let us know what you think. Again, that's gradient.is slash podcast S-U-R-V-E-Y. All right, now here's the show. Hello, hello, Brandon Harvey here with this week's episode of Sounds Good, the podcast where every single Monday I sit down with an inspiring person and talk about happiness overcoming struggles, and living a life of intentionality and wonder. Today, I'm so excited to share a conversation I had with Aaron Draflin. If you work in the creative or design world, you probably already know Aaron's name. And if you're not in the creative or design world, you've probably still seen Aaron's work. Aaron is a designer that's worked with tons of brands and people you've heard of. Nike, Patagonia, Barack Obama, and he's also the founder of Field Notes, the iconic tiny little notebooks you've seen all over the place. I actually met Aaron back in Portland, where he lives, years ago, and was incredibly inspired by how nice he was. He even said he liked my hair. So after the podcast launched, I emailed him and asked him to be on the show. And the very next day, I bumped into him at the airport. And once again, he was just as genuine. What I love most about Aaron is that he's a philosopher. He's a deep thinker. He puts a great deal of intentionality and thought into everything in his life. And I love people who think deeply and intentionally about the world. You can tell all of this about him from our conversation. We actually go really deep, really fast, and I want to just jump straight into the conversation. So, here we go. I'm on the line with the incredible Aaron Draplin. Aaron, welcome to Sounds Good. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you, man. So, where are you calling from today? Uh, Northern Michigan. My uh, specifically my my mom's dining room table uh, <laughs> here in the Michigan Northwoods. I am home for a month, helping my mom. Uh, well, disassemble uh, Dad's empire, right? And that's what I, I've been here about just over two and a half weeks. And we just did a big yard sale, <clears throat> so patriarch and training. And then in between that, I've been working on projects and then getting ready for the fall tour. But yeah, northern Michigan. Uh, Lake Ann, which is 10 miles away from Traverse City. So that's up north. Yeah. Amazing. Okay, you just used the word your dad's empire. What does that mean? Tell me a little bit more. Well, you know, my my dad died and all the goodies that he had, the treasures, you know, a bit of a Polish pack rat that he was, um, there's a lot of stuff, you know. And when someone... 
we used to joke about it, you know, him saying, well, if I ever go, this will all be yours. And then, you know, wink at me. And it's like, well, that kind of happened, you know. And then we're trying to, you know, figure out what to do with it, how to sell the things that have value, how to just move stuff out that doesn't, you know, that's really not going to be used or get back into the ecosystem of northern Michigan or, you know, that which comes from the sea eventually goes back to it, this sort of thing. But it's very surreal and very weird and... This is the sort of shit that happens when you're when someone dies, you know. Yeah. And um, we're just trying to be very creative with that. I brought my sister back here uh, right. with her son, and so she could help out. And you know, it's kind of weird and kind of painful, and kind of, yeah, just very weird. You know, where does someone go when they die? Well, who the hell knows? And then past that, um, uh, what do you do with all the stuff? And I mean, it's just we're actually very lucky to even be able to. Um, you know, have the time and sort of resources to do this creatively somewhere, yeah. you know, and, and take care of it. I mean, I'll, you know, if you can imagine some of the scariest scenarios where someone dies and there's no one close to them and then, you know, people come flying in to help out, like, it's anything but that, you know. We're, we're here, we're, we're, we're dealing with it, and that's what we've been doing. So, Well, first of all, I'm so sorry to hear about your dad. I saw it online, and, uh, and I'm... I'm sorry to hear that. Well, thanks. It's all right. Hey, hey, people, you know, people die. You don't have to be sorry. Shit. You know, I mean, <laughs> really, you should be sorry. You never got to meet him because he would have loved you. Oh, he would have been all over you. you know? Oh, man. Hugging you and shit and grabbing you and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, yes, I miss him and it's weird. And if I think about it hard enough, I can, you know, squirt out a couple big crocodile tears. But, you know, it's, it's more like I had him for a lot of years, you know, and we were tight mm. and close. And I'm really thankful. So anytime I get feeling a little freaked out, I, I don't have I don't have to think, work too hard to, to remember, you know, the talks we had. And I was really lucky to have that with him. So yeah, I was going to ask you about this anyway, but it sounds like this is so related to what you're doing. I wanted to jump straight into talking about field notes, and I know that some of the backstory of field notes is that you, you know, you'd go to estate sales, you'd go to farm sales, and you know that's. A lot of that is when somebody passes away and you're going through all their stuff and you would be digging through there and you'd find a lot of these little notebooks. And, mm-hmm. and it seems like you're, you're kind of doing that a little bit now, but in a lot more personal of a way. Can you build that bridge for me really quick? Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, is, you know, it's a lot easier when you're on the other side and you get to show up with this thing. And, and you know, and I have to say, you know, with in, in all honesty, it, it, it makes me look at estate sales and garage sales in a whole new light, you know, because, mm. you know, even here, you know, when we had this garage sale this last weekend for my dad, anybody that we knew who came to the yard sale, my defenses are up, you know, because it's just too close to the bone. It's like there are people coming out to buy stuff that you just know precisely they are going to resell in their antique mall or whatever the hell. And suddenly we're on the other side of that transaction where, you know, I'm you know, 99% of my life, I'm the the knucklehead that gets to go dig through the boxes. And I have to say, you know, I mean, I knew it would be like this. I'm not completely cut off to the fact that someone dies and it's it's weird and it's it's creepy. But, you know, you know I've been at estate sales where the family is there. And then I've been at estate sales where it's just, you know, people they hired to do it. And I've always kind of tread sort of lightly. You know, and I think I would tread a little lighter, you know, even more so now after being like this around my dad's stuff and being weird about it and stuff. So, 
Yes. I come from a family that, you know, my mom and dad, you know, when they first met, they would go, you know, to antique shows and flea markets and cool things. And that's where they amassed all the stuff that I'm sitting at right now, which are, you know, antique chairs and antique hutches, all beautiful Victorian oak. I mean, we were raised around that kind of stuff, right? So this appreciation for finding sort of dead things. And I was raised around a, a dad who then always smelled like paint, you know, stripper, right? Because he was getting these, you know, these old artifacts, stripping all the whatever bullshit 70s paint off of them. And then, you, you know, you got down to this beautiful oak that he would stain. Mm. So, you know, we were taught that there was beauty in the old things. They were built so much better. And, and that really is the biggest metaphor, you know, to really what I do. We can get into you know that way more you know as this thing goes, but but yeah, I was raised around that you know, and now to see you know us sort of have to go through this process of of letting some of it go back, it's okay you know, but really you know what I loved about you know to talk about field notes you know it's the idea that like I was raised around old timers um, who would have a big pocket of stuff on their chest you know with their glasses and chewing tobacco and a couple pens and a notebook in this little kit on their chest. This is a, you know, now your iPhone does it, of course. But <laughs> but, but then, you know, these were old timers that were using paper, you know, and there was a charm to that. And there was sort of a, uh, you know, um, it worked for them in 1890 or, or 1980, you know, when I was a kid, you know, looking at this stuff and it always made sense. So, I, you know, I've always been sketching and drawing my whole life. But that takes a pen and paper, you know. So I've always had those things in my pocket. So in my travels, going to farm sales, estate sales, and finding these incredible little books that I'd seen them in a guy's pocket but never really got to play with them. You know, those were things that were like things would give them free to other things. You know what I mean? It's not like you had to buy those little little notebooks. The, some feed and seed would give that to the to their customers and then they would trickle back, you know, to a little housewife who would use them to, you know, make notes about how much a cup of coffee costs. And that's just this, like, it was so profound to me to see that up close, and I just wanted to rescue them. And there's, I don't know if there's any value, you know, I don't to the thousand that I have on ice out in Portland. There might be. So you, but who you cares? were just collecting thousands. Yeah, I mean, I'd get them by the shoebox, or the, or even scarier, by the junk drawer full. And what yeah. were you finding in most of these? Well, blank, but. You know, one in ten would be filled with someone's little chicken scratch handwriting. Some housewife or some farmhand or a, a mechanic or, you know, a cowboy or something who would be making notes about, you know, tactile things they needed to make notes about, you know, like fencing and shit, you know. And it's just amazing <laughs> that I don't want to say we've lost that, but it's just this thing where, like, I know, like, like here's the thing. When your window breaks now... People want to go to some app called Breaker with no, you know, it's B-R-E-A-K-R, you know, <laughs> and then they'll come fix your, your, I want to say fucking window, but okay. And, you know, you, you want to go to Breaker, you know, and then no one even knows how to fix a window anymore, you know, much less make a note on a piece of paper with a grocery list. We go to an app and you tick, 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 you type it in. And then you forget about it. There's something about paper that's like, oh, it's in my pocket. I'm, 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 you know, I'm feeling it. I'm playing with it. That's a little bit different than, you know, the world one click away on your phone. It's sort of totally. Like, isn't that just amazing? That's yeah. just amazing. That's, we have I to mean, trick ourselves now. 
you and I were talking about it before the podcast, and I'm 20 years younger than you. And yeah. rub it in my face. Rub it in my face. <laughs> rub it in my okay. face. Uh, all right. All right. Enjoy I, it. But I, uh, I grew up just fully engrossed in the internet. You know, like sure. I got an email address when I turned like 12 or yeah. 10 or something like that. And so I've always been connected to the digital. And everybody in my generation has had basically the same experience. Well, right. But right. I, I know that what I'm experiencing right now, and I know that you're experiencing this because people are buying your product, but there's kind of this evolution back toward analog. Yeah. Like every single day when I get into my studio, I pull out this big sheet of paper that's got um, every hour of the day on it. And I write down, here's my game plan for the day. And I write my to-do list and it's on physical paper. And I've got 30 apps that I'm sure I've paid for yeah. that do that exact same thing and will notify me and color code everything and like invite my friends and uh, and tweet about it when I accomplish things. But I tend to not use those and I'm learning to just get back to the analog. And so it's, there's something hardwired into our brains. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, think of it like this, you know, I mean, to go all the way back, you know, and you've got, you know, I don't know, let's, we're thinking of a couple cave people, Ugg and Doug sitting around some <laughs> fire, you know, and you, you, you show, you know, with a stick in the ground, like this is what, you know, our, our hut should look like, you know, you know, oh, sweet, that's wonderful, Doug, you know, thank you, Ugg, whatever. That's in all of us, you know, that's as, that's as primal as it sort of gets of sort of mark making and, and, and devising things and thinking through stuff. And the idea of holding, yeah, even the written word, you know, like sort of on a page, you know, in a book by, you know, one little bulb, that's not the same as a Kindle, you know. And I'm not saying that any of this stuff is bad. It's just interesting that someone like yourself who, I mean, listen, I'm a product of the 80s. You know, I was raised on the 80s and and that was, you know, fearing Ronald Reagan and fearing preppies <laughs> and all this kind of shit. And I don't know what you got now, squads and uh, Kanye's and just whatever vapid, soulless bullshit you guys are dealing with these days. <laughs> I mean, I, but you're a product of that and that's okay. You, you Absolutely. are, I mean, you're building it, you know, at 22 years old, you're building this little thing for yourself and you have... You know, I'm blowing a little smoke up your up your you know your your behind right now, but it's like you know, you've got this thing going, man. It's impressive, and that's not to all your you know, your buddies who are 22. That's not what kids do. You know, they're it's vapor, it's Snapchat, and it's like at least you you're you're, you're building some little bricks and mortar and some stuff. You're, you're you're building with that tool instead of just using it to just kind of numb yourself. You know, I don't I don't. That's a big generalization, but I see how it can numb my generation or even you know my mom's generation you know like we're just laying around watching you know facebook shit and it's just kind of like i'll stop myself and go man i haven't seen one thing of substance on my facebook in like a month i can't even remember like that's weird to me that is weird to me sure you know you know you can remember you can remember like your creepy you know like relative saying something about trump you can remember incendiary things. You can't remember things that were like like heartwarming because it's all the same shit. Like, oh, look at my baby. Oh, this cute little monkey who's just was born playing with a little deer. Oh, that's cute. You know, fuck it. We're numb to it now. You know, there's like, there's something about, you know, okay, from your generation, I get kids all the time writing me and saying, hey, man, we're ready to make an app for field notes. And I have to just kind of laugh <laughs> because at least in my in my age... I would stop myself and go, but we don't need an app. You know, we just, 
We don't need an app. We just we use paper. But that's not even the way that your minds get to think anymore now. Because yes, you want it to be integrated into these beautiful. And you're like you were saying there, like you can't fault any of those notification things, apps, uh, programs, bullshit. You can't fault those because those are good services for a world that's be- they're, they're they're problem solving for a world that's going faster, faster, and faster. But that stuff has like a weird little exponent to it. It's just like you told me like just a second ago where you're like, I finish one task, it notifies all my friends, it puts out the tweet. I mean, really, does anyone <laughs> give a shit that you interviewed yet another person? I mean, no, they're waiting for the interview to come up. I mean, it's just this kind of thing where it's like we're getting to the point where there's no mystery. I, I know there's mystery in the world, whatever. You know, the sun will go down here. It's an illusion, but the sun will go down and we'll be in the woods in northern Michigan here and I will be freaked out by some twig snapping 15 feet away from me. And it might be a little mouse or it might be, you know, Bigfoot. I don't know. But there's mystery in that moment. And I kind of savor that stuff. Or the idea of randomness. There's randomness on an open page in my field notes. Like, you don't know what's going to happen when you get going, you know? And then here is, you know, wait, who's typing something? What What are you typing? I was typing a note for a follow-up question. uh, Brandon, this is where your life changes yet again today. Just you're gonna have to use your brain to remember it. Anyway, okay. Oh my okay, gosh, okay. I'm I'm embarrassed. Well, you know, I mean, I'm doing. I'm taking all. It's taking all my strength, not to want to check my stupid email to see, you know, what uh, offer has come in or what update I need to do. And I'm I'm not doing that because <laughs> I just know I get distracted. Anyway, uh. you know, I mean, field notes for me is like a bigger metaphor of yes, slowing down. And but you know where you notice things. I call it ukulele music on um, commercials. And ukulele music, you know, for like selling you some insurance, comes with a certain kind of handwritten typography. Is this, you know, are you picking up yeah. on laying down? Oh, absolutely. Like those are things that like you notice culturally just as someone who's like watching the Olympics all last week, you know, and, 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 and here, you know, in mom's living room watching this stuff. And I'm like, wow, there is a certain edge being taken off of things. Yes. How do you make stuff a little bit more comfortable? You use handwritten typefaces and stuff. And yes, they're trying to sell you, you know, a Verizon Mobile, but at least it's soft because we're yearning for those things. You know, like where you know, what was the thing we did? Oh, it was called uh, Loot Crate, and I don't know if you you're probably a little too old for it, or maybe you still do it. I don't know, but there's this thing called Loot Crate where you would send in and you would get this random pile of of riffraff. A month later. So if you imagine you're 12 years old, and I know like everyone's rolling their eyes listening to this, and going, "Oh my God, Draplin, that's so 2014." <laughs> you you know you dipshit, whatever. But what was really you know charming to me there, it was stuff that you didn't know when it was going to show up. You didn't go access it the way you access your email and everything else, and get this instantaneous little buzz it was like you're signing up to be surprised and i think that there's something cultural to be said there you know mm. it's nice to get a letter in the mail who even sends a letter anymore you know but you're seeing people react let me jump in and, and dive into this a little bit deeper you talked about randomness and mystery and the fact that those are in some ways a little bit of lost art forms what do you think is like a great step towards creating more randomness and mystery in our own lives? Okay. 
stopping all the bullshit people are doing right this very second and getting out of your head a little bit and realizing, right? I don't care how you vote or love or fear or whatever superstitions your parents make you made, made you sign on to or whatever superstitions you, you signed on just to get yourself through the day. But the fact of the matter is, right this very second, the universe, a scrillion miles in every direction, is expanding. And what is it? Ex- it's science. It's science. Photons and shit, man. I don't know. But <laughs> what is it expanding into? Is it expanding into infinity? Into void? Into itself? Into heaven? Into hell? I mean, who the hell knows? And that's something that I find so overwhelmingly moving, you know, that right this very second, we are surrounded. We are one grain of sand of real, surrounded by 900, parts of mystery. We have no idea why we're here, what we're doing. It's a matter of faith in a lot of respects, but... That's real. And right now, if you point in any direction in Nashville or wherever I'm at in Michigan, any direction you point right now, imagine going in that direction forever. Because that's basically the theoretical, I don't know. That's what our brains can't wrap around. But our brains are at least to a point where we can challenge the fact that right this very second, right now, based on how the planets move and orbits and light and the space and the distance between light and the Big Bang, which is all very theoretical. But if anyone was to tell you, oh yeah, the universe has an edge, it's called heaven. That's a red flag. You know, that's scary. You know, that the idea that on the flip side, someone says, Neil deGrasse says, we have no idea. You may, you may, you know, space may be creating itself as it expands. This is the shit that I, soothes me. You know, when I'm having a, a weird day, I stop myself and go, my gosh, what a beautiful, random, insignificant world we live in. We are one speck within a scrillion specks. And then when you, when you, when you keep on going, and we're talking, you know, I don't know, negative integers and, and uh, you know, existential uh, 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 exponent numbers and things, you know, you're starting to subtract I'm one out of six or seven billion trying to figure out my day, you know, surrounded yeah. by all this math and mystery. And it's just incredible to me. It's oddly soothing. Like that is just something that I like to tap into, you know, looking up at the stars, which is as primal as anything, or being scared of why does something hurt in my side? You know, oh, what is that? One time it turned out to be my appendix. Another time it was just because I'm a, you know, water buffalo who was twisted up and laying in his bed. I don't know. But there's something about it being like, you know what? It kind of doesn't matter. And it, and it kind of really matters because it's just we're lucky to even be alive. You know, or I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what we should be talking about. When we talk to you about thick lines, who gives a shit? Where do you th- what do you think the universe is doing right now, Brandon? Well, I mean, I was going to say, you know, right in line with what you're saying. There's something really refreshing, I think, about just acknowledging the mystery and being like, 
you know, I don't know. And I think that's okay that I don't know. Right. And I think that we all start off in a place where we need things to be black and white. You know, I think like you say that there's this idea that when you're growing up, like your parents need to give you hard yeses and hard noes so that you know, like what your boundaries are. And unfortunately that can hurt your creativity down the road. That can hurt the way that you see the world and philosophy and religion and all these things down the road. But I think that's something that we all crave and need at some point because Things that are black and white are really easy to define. It's really easy to say, this is exactly what's true. You know, it's it's binary numbers. They're easy to yeah. say it's a zero or it's a one. What happens when it's 0. 0.000, you know, 500 zeros and one little one at the end? And that's basically what you are in the universe and what I am. I'm, I'm 0.2, whatever. You know what I mean? It's like amazing to me. And I just love when I meet a young kid specifically from the Republican side of things in our political spectrum, who will just tell you, oh, it's this, 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 and this. And I just kind of shake my head, walk away like, my gosh. They just, they're so afraid. They don't even know how to be afraid the right way. You know, like the world is a scary, sketchy place, you know, and I prefer to look at it with wide eyes and stop myself all the time and nerd out on the fact that I have no idea what's going on. And somehow today, I made it through another day, you know, relatively healthy. You know, I stopped myself and you know, I'm thankful for that. So, I, you know, like I think as I get older, material things are freakier and freakier to me because I just realize like, you know, my mom's tree, I'm looking outside right now. A tree could come through the thing right now and squash me like the little bug that I am. And hopefully... In that moment, if I'm going to the black void of nothingness, or I'm going to a white pillow-clouded heaven, or I'm going to the scorching flames of hell, wherever I'm going, you know, um, I lived a good life. You know, there's a, this, I, this is some heavy stuff. I'm glad that we can... I don't know you, and you don't know me, you know. And <laughs> I, You know, instead of me talking about, you know, how I made a living and what years I made a living. You know, you said something about the Marin podcast. I mean, I, I just wanted to get into it with him and freak him out. But he asked me where I was from and where, you know, what, what it was like growing up and stuff. And I just felt like, oh, my God, anyone who knows the bullshit I've already talked about are going to be like remedial, you know, whatever, and just like turn it off. But, you know, these are the things that I think about when I'm devising ways to make a living. We all have to work. You're hustling this. I'm hustling whatever I'm hustling. And your producer buddy there, he's hustling to make, you know, to make sure the stuff sounds good. These are all things that we all have to do. I'd love to all of us to be able to just stop everything and love each other. Sure. But that doesn't, you can't pay your rent with, uh, you know, peace and harmony. You know, you have to, you, you, or, or cool. You can't really take a bag of cool to the bank and put it on the little <laughs> counter and say, well, you know, Mr. Harvey, you seem like a nice kid, but you can't pay your, 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 your mortgage on your, you know, what are you in some sort of a halfway home there in Nashville? I don't know what you've got going, but you can't pay your share of that um, here in Nashville with cool. You have to pay it with, you know, uh, the hustle. And that's just life, you know. So I, I don't know if we were even answering whatever question you had. I, I love it. I just like the idea of us anybody having that weird little spider sense a number of times during the day to be like wow man babies are beautiful first kisses are beautiful um i don't know you know it's really easy to fall i mean when you when you i said brandon what do you do 
what are we doing here? You know, am I in trouble? Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> All the basic questions that I had for you, you know, you know, before we started, and you, you, you know, went on a little tear about optimism versus cynicism, and I just that was really exciting because, you know, you look around the world and you see people, you know, doing bad things to each other in the name of superstition or of yeah philosophy or religion it's hard not to to be bummed out by this stuff or on even more of a molecular level you see people getting sick around you it's hard not to be you know um i think it's an interesting thing that you're going after tackling some of that stuff so and the big thing is the big thing that i'm experiencing with all of this is i'm not trying to like pretend that none of this stuff is happening. You know, I'm not trying to pretend that death isn't real. I'm not trying to pretend that terrorism isn't real. I'm not trying to pretend that Donald Trump isn't real. I'm not trying to pretend that these bad things that happen in the world aren't real. Right. Fully acknowledging it, but saying, where's the good in this? Where's the hope in this? What can we look forward to? And, and I mean, you know, this, you're, you're an artist. You're like, you're like an artist's artist. And the thing about artists is that they create the hope. They create the change. They create the momentum and the future. And so you've got to know what the problems are. Otherwise you can't fix it. And that's just something I admire about you is, you know, even within the world of graphic design, even in the world of art, like you are creating these things that move the needle for people in Mm. big ways and in small ways. Yeah. You are tapping into something that is really interesting, which is like, okay, now the rest of the world and myself included, you know, how do we make our lives? Well, we have to work and we have to, you know, pay rent and pay bills and insurance and things and stuff. And you have to do all that stuff. And that's just how the world keeps going around. And I am really thankful that from my little speck within a speck within a speck in this universe or on this planet or in this country or in this graphic design field that I have been lucky enough at the very base to make a great living doing things I like, right, right, right? And then even in the very worst of that, when I'm working for a client who's giving me a runaround or they can't make a decision, that even in the very worst, that it's still not that rough, you know? And we teach ourselves to feel like something was really, really rough, which is just insane. You know, it's like, I don't know how to be more thankful. I was already thankful at the very, very base level. And now all these years later, the idea that I get to create things client-free that someone may enjoy. It might be a poster or a set of field notes or a funny little coin purse or whatever stupid thing I'm selling from the DDC that really <laughs> is just about, oh, that's a cool little thing. And yes, you know, somewhere there out of each dollar, I use that dollar to get me through the world and stuff. Like, I, I'm really blown away by that. You know, and I mean, and why I've made that leap is because I've seen friends who are, well, artists and they populate the world with their little beautiful artifacts. They make things that you want to put up and look at and go, oh, that is just really cool. This morning, I, I, I looked at my, my friend Cody Hudson, who, you know, you got to go look him up, scratch that one down on your field notes. Cody Hudson, Struggle Incorporated. And he did this hat and it's got a little cloud and a little. I think just it's like, you know, if you imagine like a, a, a two pillow cloud, just half circle, half circle, there's a cloud and up above that is a little, you know, sort of orange yellow dot, which was the sun on a navy blue hat. But it's so him. 
And it's so beautiful to me because it's loose and he probably cut it out of paper and then had that. You know, I mean, this is how the guy works, you know, and he builds these beautiful things. And he's so unlike, you know, me trying to be precise with my, you know, imprecision. His stuff is so loose, but it's a beautiful reminder that the world can be that loose, you know. And I just, I, I saw his head, I screen grabbed it and just was like, oh man, Cody. I love this guy. I don't really know him all that well, but when we see each other, he just is a reminder that the world can be funny and he can be quiet in a room. You know, I get talking and, you know, Cody's real chill, but he makes art, you know, that makes the world a little bit cooler place, you know, and I'm just inspired by that shit, you know, really. I mean, right when you get down to it, I've been really lucky to be in a little bit of that category these last bunch of years, and I just don't even know how to... You know, really wrap my head around it because I'm the kind of kid, you know, still that kid who was ready to work a crappy job forever, you know, and just kind of be okay with it. So, and I'm, you know, equally, when I see people who are whatever me and you are doing to the hundredth power and then making garbage, it makes me like really bummed, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I'm sorry, but I get mad at Kid Rock because it's just like the... (laughs) The shittiest, lowest denominator, you know, misogyny and, 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 you know, nationalism and just a bunch of bullshit about the troops. When that guy hasn't served, a, a, you know, whatever. You can go and paint that stuff, but, like, I don't know. You know, there's just something, like, really crass about the world that really, like, disrupts me, you know, when I see someone like that who is just yeah. so, it's just such bullshit. Like, it hurts me. It's like, I'm just so thankful that I had, like, a Cody Hudson. To ground me and say, wow, you can be humble, you can do great work, you can say thanks. You know, that guy would never tell you how great he is because, you know, you'll see it. But he doesn't need to. You know, he doesn't need to, you know, what I'm saying. It's just an interesting thing. And, you know, on the complete flip side of that, to not let myself get riled up when I'm standing in front of, uh, uh, you know, you're in Nashville, some 500-foot rascal flats uh, 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 advertisement, you know. I mean, yeah. right? You know, whatever the hell it is, you know. And I get it. You know, people consume things, and there's the next thing. Something died off from four years ago, and here's the next thing. And what was I watching last night? Oh, since I've been home for the two weeks, here comes a negative comment. You ready? Here it comes. Record this one. <laughs> I've been watching the Tonight Shows. You know, uh, we'll get done with the damn here working on my mom's dining room table. And there's Jimmy Kimmel, and then there's uh, Fallon, and, you know, Seth Meyers and shit. And I'm just listening to these things. But the bands that they put on there, what piles of shit. So you guys can do the math. You know, here we are, August, what, 25th or 4th or 26th or whatever the hell it is. And you look at you can look at the bands I was listening to, on, you know, the last week. And then you can, you know, draw your own conclusions with God. Just garbage. Just garbage. And it just, I don't know. I don't know if I'm just getting older. But here's the thing. That's the next wave of shit that's on Fallon. You know, that's not small change. They're being propped up by something and you're just watching them and they're all good looking. And they all have little hats on and neat little V-neck t-shirts. And I just, man, I'm a pile of shit and I'll probably stay that way until I die, you know, at the hands of the elements in the woods or something. I don't know. But man... I don't know what it was, like probably four years ago, you know, in a bit of a slump. Like, I'm, I'm happy with the garbage I was raised on, you know, music and movies and things. But I was in a slump, and 
just was like, man, I don't even care to go to the record store. I don't, you know, wh- why go grab a bunch of new shit if it's unlistable? I was, I was, I tried to listen to some band like they called Beirut, unlistable at best, <laughs> unlistable at best. Anyway, but someone said, man, you got to listen to Tame Impala, and I have to say that really um, gave me faith again. You know, at least in weird music and new stuff, and and it's not just the Tame Impalas. It's I know that those are out there, but it takes work to find that stuff. You know, and yeah. That's what I've been trying to do for the last few years. You know, I know that you don't really know my work, but I didn't know that this was my goal. But looking back on it, I'm like, here's the things that I've been really passionate about. And I've been trying to bring to the forefront people that inspire me, people that I admire. And it's essentially good people doing good things, humble people doing humble, incredible work. And the problem with humble people doing humble things and good people doing good things is they're spending all their energy being good people and making good things and making the world a better place that they don't have time for marketing. And I'm trying to flip that switch in my own brain. I studied business and marketing at school, but I'm trying to also use that same side of my brain to say, okay, how can I give the microphone to these people who are doing amazing work? And, you know, like, I have no doubt that, you know, your friend who recommended like Tame Impala is essentially that in the world of music and Jimmy Fallon is, or really Jimmy Fallon's producers are not that. Um, and it's, you know, the same can be said of like, I don't know, like I, I was just thinking about, I love Stephen Colbert and I love Stephen yeah. Colbert, not because of most, like most of his episodes of, of his show. I'm like, okay, whatever. I I'm fine with or without this, but he's just had some interviews like in the, in his first week on the show, he sat down with Joe Biden and he just had this beautiful heart to heart with Joe Biden, who of course has lost so many people in his own life. And Colbert has, has had his fair share of suffering and pain. And they just got to have this real and raw moment on TV. And it's like, how can we celebrate this? How can we create more of this? But at the same time, there's this problem of, we're, we were talking about science earlier. There's this scientific idea that the bad things that happen to us and the bad things that are said to us and and most of all, bad news that we see and experience, that on our brain, on this particular part of our brain where memories are stored, is like Velcro. Mm. That thing happens and it sticks. And for most people, about 90% of people, good memories, good experiences, good news that slides right off the brain like a slip and slide. Like it just it just shoots off. And there's this philosophy that you have to take something that's good. You have to take good news. You have to take a good memory, a good experience, and you have to savor it for 15 seconds. You have to think hard about it. You've got to choose to hold it in. Otherwise, it's just going to slip away. I feel like that's kind of what somebody who's being a megaphone, a microphone can do they can say hey let's talk about this for a few seconds longer because it needs to be talked about longer than the crap that's going on yeah yeah i mean i i know i think i I remember that colbert i mean what i want to what i want to add to that is just to say you know what you saw in that colbert moment you saw him go off script Mm. and all due respect to mr fallon but he's just too much of a happy go-getter like he's you know what i I liken him too and I, i like him enough but he's like a big old like golden retriever, you know. Just always <laughs> That's a perfect happy. description. I mean, I'm just saying, there's nothing, you know. He's always happy. Everything's the greatest. Every actor is the most amazing. 
it's these are I, I don't watch these shows, man. I don't watch those shows. So to watch that stuff, I'm just watching how things are promoted and how things are put out there. Yeah. And then you think about the stuff that sticks to your bones. You know, you're right. You know, like there's something about that those cool moments where he, you know, he really tapped into something. And yeah, I'm sure it went viral or whatever you want to call it. And people were, you know, shipping it around and looking at it. But there's just something about like, there's like some weird like underlying thing that says, you know what? You just can't have, like that was like a nice piece of chocolate that tasted really good. And everything else is just broccoli. Like you just can't have chocolate all the time. You know, you got to have, you know, it needs to be like a surprise when you're like, hmm, that was because the, the, there's just something like there's no way we could we could if, if we learned how to make every bit of content or interaction between ourselves, our media, all the good stuff. You know, there's no way that that thing would have importance to you, you know, whatever you want to call it. You know, there's just something about like the, the law of just sort of, I don't know, statistics or something. What bums me out is when I see people who are just statistically in such a great place, you know, like they've got everyone working for them. They've got all this bandwidth. And that's the best thing that Kid Rock can put out is another horseshit patriotic country boy anthem. You know, fuck off. I mean, it's just so formulaic and, like, weird to me. You know, it just freaks me out. You know, like, you're in such a position with so many people working. God, do something. Do something great with that. I just, I, you know, like, what we're talking about right now, I'm sure you had a number of people on the podcast with one one millionth of the firepower of, uh, I'm trying to think of something that just really sucks. Really <laughs> sucks. And let's see, what really sucks right now is one one millionth of the firepower of um, the sons of Donald Trump, and yet they're doing something great with it. They're not shooting exotic animals over in, like, you know, Kenya or something, you know. They're doing something great. Like, what are those turds done, you know, with, with their lives? Well, hopefully foundations and charities, and I, don't, I have to go look. I don't even know what those two turkeys have done. I don't really care. But... Um, you're, you're mining people, and you're finding people around you with one one millionth of that firepower, and they still manage to do something great with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I applaud you, man, for going after that, because it's not like you're going after things for crass culture, you know, like some kind of like Howard Stern. I mean, let's go make fun of things that shouldn't be made fun of. You know, that, that guy built a whole empire on, you know, just making people uncomfortable or something. I've never been a big Stern fan. Um, anyway, I, I, this is getting convoluted, man. Like, I mean, I don't know uh, what, you know, the fact of the matter is you only have so much time on the earth and you only have so much time, you know, in your youth. When I was 22, I was out west snowboarding and learning how to be a graphic designer. You know, I was up in the hills, you know, being outside and enjoying my, you know, physicality and stuff. And then I was at night trying to enjoy some kind of, you know, intellectual, you know, wrestling with myself of like, wow. How can I make graphics and posters and things and stuff when I have no money? I don't even have a computer. Well, you do it analog. So I had paints and brushes and things. You do your best with what you, you know, at least I was trying. You know, I was trying. You know, it would have been a lot easier just to say, ah, screw it. You know, the idea that, like, um, I'm really proud of myself. I know that's kind of probably a weird thing to say. No, that's a good thing to say. when, When the chips were down and I was up in Alaska... 
I kept my focus, which was out of fear because I had to go get a job. Or at Hold some on, wait. Point. Let's back up on that a tiny bit. Tell me yeah. about getting into Alaska and then tell me why you're proud. I mean, I can go back and I can find a couple jobs. But listen, I'm from northern Michigan and you're, there's, you know, there were certain opportunities and there were certain kids that did really, really well that took, knew how to harness those opportunities. And then there was, you know, me and my buddies. I don't know, you know, and you're dealt the hand that you're sort of, you know, you, you, you do your best. And some people, you know, I would, you know, how I got out of here was I worked at a, you know, a family restaurant and, I, you know, it was a fish fryer. You know, as I'm working at, you know, you're dropping pieces of fish, you're dropping pieces of chicken for sandwiches, the fryer, you know, and the, the grease would splash up and it just sucked, you know, but you take the worst job, whatever that would be. And these, I had these jobs up in Alaska and they weren't necessarily horrible. They were just really kind of, oh man, they were just kind of soul scrunching. They would really crunch you. They would really make you, even though you're up there, see, there's two kinds of people. They're the people that are just happy to be up in the woods and the beautiful Alaska and whatever money they can make, you know, dealing with customers and people on a train. We were, I was a dishwasher on a train. They use that money on their days off to go have great adventures. And I wasn't really doing that. I was using that money that I made, you know, dishwashing to save for a computer, right? And the only way I was going to get one was by putting this five months in up in Alaska and you know what? I mean, it was cool. I met a lot of cool people. I mean, you were active. You know, you were doing things. You were working a lot, obviously. You know, and you're young. I was 22 years old. Um, but I went all the way up there to wash dishes all day. And like, you know, as a creative person, I figured out how to, you know, wrangle, you know, all the dipshit uh, uh, servers and stuff who were basically my adversaries, you know, bring in the dishes. You know, I, I made a system. This is where this goes. This is where that goes. It's clinkless, clinkless because you're on stainless steel and they would clink the dishes and it would hurt your ears. Right, right, right. And I figured out a way. You know, I just was just tried to be a little bit smarter than my average colleague about how to get through the day. Right. And by, by being efficient, you know, it's just like it's just like the way I work with design by being efficient. I could pack more time in and get out of that kitchen a little bit quicker. But here's the thing. Like, I'm really proud of the fact that, like, I got away with all that. You know, and went and mm. did those things and kind of it sucked. You're getting up at four in the morning and you're pedaling down to this rail yard and you're jumping out with all these happy, hikey, fucking outdoor people, Ugh. you know, all excited, you know, they're all nice and healthy and shit and all nice and whatever. And I, I you know, it was a real weird study and just being like, man. My friends are down in the lower 48 going to concerts and ba 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 and whatever. But you know what? They're working pizza jobs. I'm up here making three times the money because, I mean, what's, you know, what, what are you capable of at 22 years old? And that was the best thing I could find, but there was some, you know, some sacrifice there. Well, after that first summer, that's how I got that first computer. And that's where my life just took off. You know? But I had, to go, I had to go without for a while. It taught me a lot of lessons. You know, getting up at four in the morning sucks, but mm-hmm. I did it. I ended up going back for four summers because after that, I would oh, pay, wow. well, I would pay for, you know, my next winter down in Bend from those four summers. And I would pay for college and I would pay for, you know, pay off a credit card that got me through college or whatever it was. I think a lot of people are like, man, I just want to be a starving artist. I want to like work really, really hard and hustle for, you know, this passion and dream. And you said, yeah, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do that in a really practical way. I'm going to go get a job, and I'm going to go well, make yeah. money to support myself. I mean, I met enough people who were playing that game. Oh, I'm yeah. a starving artist, and it's like, yeah, you're still starving. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, I went up there and I supported myself. I also got to my goals, which were like, well, I'm going to need this money to go. My, and I couldn't really go to my mom and dad and say, buy me, you know, 10,000 bucks worth of gear. The computers were, you know, a lot clunkier and bigger and weirder in 1996 that summer when I bought all that stuff. But it taught me to go without and it taught me to appreciate every single moment I had on earth or, you know, what are the greatest days of your life? Think about it. You know, maybe it's um, like last days of school are some of the greatest days of your life, if you can remember them. I know for you, it's only like four years ago. Anyway, for me, 25 <laughs> years ago, I just remember that buzz that you have when you get to school. You're wearing fun clothes. It's that you're done. That teacher, whoever gave you shit, didn't go to hell. You got three months of summertime. And I remember vividly every last day up in Alaska because I had powered through it wasn't that rough but i saw people quit i saw people go out in blazes of glory you know people getting in trouble with the drinking or missing work or whatever and i was always so proud of myself like oh my gosh man i got through this i was a good worker i you know probably wasn't the nicest guy to be around because everyone was all happy and shit and i just wasn't really down with like i'd rather say no i'm not happy to be up here because I'm up here because I don't have any other opportunities, you know. But that taught me to knuck, you know, to really like, to really like, yeah, knuckle down or whatever, and just really like get the work done and deal with it. So I've always had a weird perspective with how I work, um, you know, on projects, even at the very worst of it, where I've seen other people of the, let's see, weaker constitution flip out and go on a, you know, oh, I can't believe the client's doing this and the client's doing that. I have to stop them and go, shut up. You're inside. You're working on nice computers. You get paid. You're insured. And you're pissed because they're going to make you do more work. You haven't worked a day in your life. You know, whatever, you know, banter I've had to, you know, uh, scream at <laughs> David Nakamoto I work with or whatever. That I don't know what the hell. It taught me a lot of stuff up there, you know. It taught me that, you know, I mean, in, in different scenarios, this is the best way you can get it. And you know what I, I've come to realize? I was lucky to even do that, to go to a beautiful place, to support myself, to be healthy enough to do it, to be you know uh, uh, stubborn enough to get up each morning and go do it and deal with it. That that's even you're even lucky to have that either uh, you know wherewithal to pull it off, or even just sort of like a naivete to be like, I don't even know what I'm doing up here. I'm just doing it, you know, whatever. I was just even lucky to not have a filter saying, don't go all that way to do a shitty job. That's not fun, you know. Like, I'm just really thankful when I look back. I mean, that's all in the book, you know. That's all in the book about going all that way and why I had to go all that way and what it taught me. Every step along the way, you know, really, where I have a hard time when people say, I'm really, I'm down the dumps right now. Because I, and don't take it the wrong way, but it always feels... It's like, you know, the words writer's block or artist block or creative block or some shit like that. Those are just band-aids. They're just band-aids mm. we make up for ourselves to be like, ah, I don't want to work. No. I don't, I'm, I'm like, when I hear people saying, I'm in a real slump and I can't get any work done, it's like, listen, I have buddies who, are, who need, like, medication and stuff. And there's nothing, there's not a damn thing in the, in the world wrong with any of that. That's life. That's chemicals, that's imbalances, and there's people that can help those people. And, you know, I would, you know, try to be one of them, do whatever I can to make my buddies comfortable, whatever. I understand that it's a fragile world and stuff, but there's something about, like, I've just seen people, you know, 
throw that shit around. And it's not you shouldn't throw it around. If you're in a if you're in a bad spot, you got to get some help and get it better. You know, but I won't indulge in that stuff. And I often feel like, are you kidding me? Like you can't really just like go medicate yourself with that shit right now because you just have to, you know, you just got to go for it and you got to you, you can't say no to yourself. You know, you, I don't know if I'm making sense. You know, like I I just never really allowed myself to indulge in like, wow, it's really hard up here. I quit. Yeah, you know? I couldn't. I, I, if I quit, I wouldn't get the computer, you know, and that would that's a, one less awesome set of dominoes falling, you know. So I had to like really keep going because I wanted those dominoes to fall the right way, you know. You know, I meet a lot of young kids who will say, "I don't know how you do all the work you do," and I have to kind of stop and say, "Well, these are all things that add to the good things in my life, and be it supporting my mom or myself or." whatever people around me all this stuff adds up to something really good so it's hard to say no and if i'm in the if i'm feeling creeped out by it i stop myself and go wow this is all pretty good it's like how do you trick yourself into being appropriately you know thankful because we can you know we can medicate ourselves with cute little terms and you know you have to go read a book about how to get yourself out of something or you can just say bullshit and figure it out do the work that it takes, suffer, have a budget, stick to it, and get it done. Okay. I love all of that because you're somebody who's made it work. You've accomplished some incredible things. There's a reason that people really admire you and you get asked to speak all over the world, all over the country, and you're working with incredible people because you've put in that work, you've caused those dominoes to fall, and it wasn't an accident. It was a choice, and it was intentionality, and and I love that. I love, I think that something I really, really admire about you is that you say things like it is, but you say, you say things with a lot of love. And, and I mentioned this before the show, before we started recording, but I think that you really care about people and, and that shows in your work and that shows in the way that you, that you share your story and the way that you tell stories. Um, and so I just want to say, I really appreciate all of this. Like, this is so good. Oh, cool, man. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. You know, you have to understand. It's like when, you know, like I said, I'll, I'll be around people and I will just cringe because I'm listening to them and it's like, man, well, life must be pretty easy for you because you just get <laughs> to kind of uh, uh, just coast through things. I mean, listen, with the shit you're saying is just amazing. You know, I I don't know. I mean, I, I worked this morning a little bit and I worked late last night and it was all on like really cool stuff, you know, and I, I don't know how to... Uh, you know, like there was nothing rough. There hasn't been anything. The only the, the roughest battle I've had since I've been home is, you know, just trying to deal with my dad stuff. You know, whatever. Like yeah. those are all. Those are all. I mean, if that's the roughest, God, man. There's, you know, I, I'm doing okay with with jobs and things. And you know, I know that right now someone's listening and they they don't like their job. I've been. I have been right there. So whatever lucky position I'm, I'm up to now, or if I worked for it or not, you know, like there are ways to elevate yourself out of that riffraff. It's not going to be pretty. I mean, case in point, about a week ago, I do my very best to keep on top of all this email, and it's a lot. You know, I got a lot of people. I'm not complaining, but I'm complaining a little bit because just for me and you to get together, there's 19 emails. And even though totally. you're, very, you're very gentle with me, you know, I'm trying to like keep it all in line. But I write all the kids back. I do my best to at least, you know, and, and just to say, hey, 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 you know. But I had some kids say, 
And I'm like even nervous that somehow he would get to this thing and then be embarrassed. But I'm just going to say it anyway, where he would say, I'm out of school, what, in May, you know, and here we are, what, we're middle of August and things just aren't happening for me. And I'm, I'm kind of ready to throw the towel in on design. And it's just like, man, man, first of all, shut up. You are 22 years old. You just paid for a monster degree. And you are missing. You're missing. You're, 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 you just don't even know. I mean, first of all, nothing's going to happen for 10 years. If it happens within the first year, you are lucky. There's only a couple people that I know that are actually happening to. Because they had a certain level of talent and you know know how to manifest it for themselves i'm making a typeface right now with a kid named riley cran he's not a kid anymore he is a talented 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 typographer and designer and he has i mean it always has been and he's younger than i am but i am learning from this guy all the time i just have great respect for what he's doing you know now he's one out of a hundred now the other 99 they have to just kind of take it on the chin because it's not quite happening Good luck being a Riley Cran, man. There's something in that guy molecular that's just different than the rest. Okay, now that said, I had to tell this kid, man, don't forget that you are even lucky to even have this lament. Oh, it's mm. hard. Like, you can go work a pizza job and pay your rent. Other people, that's the only opportunity they have, and they do it graciously. So, you even got to go to school? Shut up. You're done. It's time to manifest something out of this, which means get to work and start making and creating. Now, I'm going to stop right there and say, because I know that maybe you guys already did the podcast about makers or something or just create or I don't know what you call it. I don't know. <laughs> I can't even keep track with all this affirmational you know, bullshit going on out there. But the fact of the matter is, it's not about just making blindly. It's like, there's an art to just learning how to love what you do and be productive. And it might not be for a paycheck. It might not be for a cent. But you're still lucky to do that. Because some people, they're plopped on the couch all their lives, you know, just watching Jimmy Fallon. And that's just all there is to it, you know. Um, this young kid, I just kind of like laid into him and said, man, you got to get busy. Learn to love this stuff. So your lament isn't that you're, uh, it's not happening for you. No, too much was happening for you because you had too many of your buddies' bands you needed to make a poster for. Or you sought out you know, ways to donate time or you just started making shit because it was just weird. Like pick up a Coke can and say, I can make a better version of this Coke can. You know, I don't know. And do it because I did that. I did that, you know, and, and it's like weird, but that's how I learned. And it was still just like a bit of nerdery on my part to be like, I just want to learn how to use Illustrator in a really, at least in that instance, um, photorealistic way. You know, but it taught yeah. me that, like, my gosh, if you layer the little vectors this way, you can make it look like a photo. Okay, that was that lesson that day. Um, so it's an interesting thing. I've heard a lot less of that stuff when I'm at the community colleges that aren't told that they are cool. You know what I mean? When you go to the bigger schools, the art schools, you'll hear more of this, like, I'm frustrated shit. And it's like, man, that kid in that little rat school in Mississippi, he understands he's going to be hustling the rest of his life. He's getting busy, <laughs> getting busy, and not getting busy having to read some book called 101 Ways to you know, 
fucking break up creative block or some shit. You know what I'm saying? Like they're getting busy, getting busy, and that's there's just something about that that like I've been really really lucky to have that mindset. Probably to a fault, you know, uh, working too much and too late and stuff. But um, I know the flip side. You know, I've had zero in my bank account. It was never ever that bad. But I've had the zeros in my bank account where it was scary, you know, and I was all the way out west, and I knew there was another little shit paycheck coming from whatever and whatever. But I also, you know, stopped myself and said, this is not a good thing. I don't want to live like this. How do I elevate myself? Okay, school, you know, wherewithal, dedication to this craft, whatever that was, and I tap, try to tap into all those things, you know. So. And so right now you're in a place where you're a lot further along. I would imagine your bank account isn't at zero and you're not super worried about that right now. No, But I'm you not. kind of have to keep that hunger alive. You've got to keep that thirst alive. And when you've got ambition and nothing, you know, it's easy to keep that thirst alive because you're like, oh, I'm ambitious. I'm going to apply that towards not going hungry, you know, not getting evicted. What are you doing today to to keep that hunger alive. Well, I mean, here's the thing is like, you're, you're right. You're right. I mean, I remember when it was zero and I remember the first time I had five grand in the bank and my, 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 my buddy, I, I work with out West. His name is, is goo. And well, his name is John Femister, but we, we call him goo and goo. I remember him saying, man, you got to get five grand in the bank. Cause that first five grand you have in the bank, that's enough to pay rent for a couple months. In case something bad happens. It's enough to pay for a plane ticket home. You're padding yourself. And once you get that five grand, you watch, you're going to get 10 grand. Like, I remember the first time I had 100 grand in the bank. And it was like, are you shitting me? Like, I would go all, I would go up to Alaska for five months to make 15 or 16,000 bucks, right? 12,000 bucks. And then when I had 100 grand liquid, and I, I know you're not supposed to talk about bank accounts and shit, but no one ever does, you know? And the fact is, I went without and I took every single job in that summer of 2004. And I watched it grow. You know, I watched, I could save money. I could not save money in these sort of like studio jobs and stuff. I just couldn't, they didn't give you enough. Not to mention, it's a different mindset. You're paycheck to paycheck no matter what. When I got away from that stuff, I could stop myself and say, I'm not spending a cent on lunch this week. Cool. I just saved a hundred bucks. Okay, that goes into the old whatever. Because I'm going to make sandwiches at the house or whatever the hell it was. You know, it's just different. It's like... Now, this many years later, I mean, remember, I didn't really start working, working until about 28 or something. You know, I was done with school. I had uh, my first jobs at a snowboard magazine, 27, I think is what it was, 26. It wasn't 19 or 22, like, you know, these kids I hear lamenting. I had already learned how to pay my bills, you know, but I still had nothing because I had all this credit card debt and whatever. All these years later. Now it's just this quality of like, all right, who can I affect around me? Mm. Or, you know, a kid wrote me last night whose dad is in one of the biggest bands in Chicago. And I'm going to write the kid back. You know, I already wrote him back. And when I get off this call, I'm going to try calling him because he needs a logo for his something. But I know his dad's work. And I'm going to buy his dad's new record, you know, coming out in a couple weeks here. And I've listened to his dad's band for, I can't even remember how many years now. And I know that kid has had to live in that shadow. But he's actually doing a lot of cool shit, right? And, I've, you know, I've seen this kid grow up. He's your age. But nevertheless, I mean, I'm just excited to help out a young kid. I don't care if there's any money on the table. You know, my 30s, from 30 to 40, 
I saved enough to where I can coast in certain ways or have the sort of uh, weird quality to say, I'm not taking that job. I don't care how much money it is. I'm going to take a bunch of scrubby little jobs just because they're fun to do, you know? And there might not be any money from this kid's little band or whatever the hell he needs help with, but it might just be fun to work on because I'm a 42-year-old, he's a 22-year-old, and I know I can knock this thing out of the park for him. And just to see that magic happen, I mean, I enjoy making the stuff. You know, I enjoy listening to records and podcasts and bullshit while I'm working, and that's therapy in itself. Because he was so nervous that, you know, as perception would have it, that he couldn't afford me. And he's probably right. But that's just bullshit. Of course he can. What if I just said, just, I'll just do it. (laughs) You know, what's wrong with that? Are people, you know, are they hanging up the phone call right now on your podcast? No way. He's going to do it for free. Click. (laughs) Well, if that's, if, if you're that kind of person that would hang up the podcast or hang up the phone right now because I just said what I said, well, then you're a terrible person. And what magic lives in your life? Because some of the greatest stuff mm. I've done is when someone said, we don't have any money, but we're just we're, we're making this record and we, we'd like you to be involved. Those are some of the greatest decisions I've ever made because I made friends and I got to see someone you know make beautiful art that wasn't supposed to happen, happen. That's really, really, um, that's really cool shit. You know what I mean? And as I get a little bit older, I stop myself and go, oh, shit. I have how much in the bank? Oh, things are good. Okay, I can take care of this person. I can take care of that, someone's problem there. Because it's not really affecting, you know, what I have going on. Yeah. That's new for me. That's a new thing. And that's a dangerous thing, too, because at what point would I sort of indulge in that and say, I'll go buy that RV I've been looking at or whatever. And then be, you know, in trouble. But no, I'm not. I, I went and bought a van two or three weeks ago, just before I came here. And the van is going to be for the fall tour. And when I went in, the van was $22,000. And the guy, he just looked me up and down. And I tried to look as shabby as I could. To, so he just wouldn't, you know, like, typecast me as, I don't know, you know, just look like I, like I always do. And when I finally said to him, I said, okay. You want 22? I'll give you 20 grand right now and we'll sign the deal. He just looked at me and he said, No. <laughs> no. Like, there's no, let me go talk to my manager, see if we can't work on that a little bit. None of that shit. He just said, No, this is the price of the van. You're getting a great deal. That's the price. And I paid it. I just stopped myself, like, instead of getting mad or getting frustrated or, like, you know, trying to, like, freak out, I just said, God, I'm in such a good spot. I worked for all this. All right, wrap it up. Give me the keys. Give me the shit. Don't sign what I got to sign. Finance it. Fine. When he ran my credit, I have killer credit. And you should have watched this guy's look on his face like, <laughs> well, you get the highest percentile. You know why? Because I paid every bill I've ever had. It's not like it's any kind of you know weird set of privileges. No, I played the, by the rules that someone else set up. And then, you know, when, when that stuff doesn't bite you in the ass, it's a weird moment where you're like, oh, yeah. You know, I'm lucky to even be in a position where I can roll in, buy the van, not feel it too hard, you know, financially. But that's a new thing because I I know what it's like to have nothing. Totally. I, and I love this idea of getting to a place where you can work for the sake of work, you know, and work for the sake of enjoying the work that you're doing. Because I think at our core, I think that we were all built to work. Like, I think that there's something in our DNA where we want to get home from a hard day's work and be like, I created something. I did something. And historically, you know, this is done. This is like physical labor. But 
I think that mental energy and, and creative energy and all these things have the exact same effect on us. And so I, I, I want to get, yeah, I think you're right. I, I would say I, I, I've met both. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I've, met, I've met people who could give a shit less about, about, uh, their productivity. I'm glad that you are inspired by that because that's rare. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's something I've definitely, I mean, there used to be days where I remember this when I was in college and I was sitting there and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do one thing today. Cause in my brain, I only had the ability to do one thing. So I'm like, okay, today's a homework day. That means tomorrow's the day where I'm going to work with my photography clients. And then the next day is going to be the day where I, you know, update my website, but I didn't have the ability to put in the grind and do a lot of stuff. And now if I look at my, my schedule, you know, I show up at the studio at 7am, I leave at 5.30am and everything in between is totally booked. And then I go home and I'm, I'm done working and it's been a hard day's work. And I'm hoping that one day the work that I do will get harder and I'll get better and I'll be able to put in more energy. But right now I'm so proud of the growth that I've had. And there's something so important about it. You're, you're manifesting that stuff. There's nothing, yeah. I mean, you know, listen, man, man. I mean, I know you're, you're, you're young or whatever. I'm just messing with you. But I love it. No, I love well, it. Well, because you have 22 year old buddies who are probably whirling off, not knowing what the hell to do. And I had, I was one of them. You know, whatever. It's scary. You know, you are you are ambitious. You have a interesting haircut. You have, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, you. These are things that you understand how to wear a suit and a photo and look, you know, look like a thing. I mean, I, I'm not messing with that as much as you understand the power of how you know that positivity comes through and the words and everything is well crafted. You know, I'm, these are all compliments. Just so you know, I mean, it's like I'm. I appreciate I'm, it. I'm just you know. I, I was attracted to this because I was like, wow, you know, some of the guys I've talked to, they get a little mopey, like, yeah, we're just doing a podcast, you know, and I'll be like, okay, well, I'm going to go in there and light them up, you know, and then go right back to my stupid little life. Other guys, you know, you know, one gal I spoke to was so on fire, it exhausted me, you know, like just so, maybe she was trying to come up to whatever she thought my level was or down to my level or whatever. But, you know, I was attracted to what you're doing because it was like, wow, you know, he's just got a really interesting outlook on, on life. And that's enough for me to, you know, we're just we're just two little comets crashing for just grazing each other out in the universe for one day. Because, you know, and then you go back to your life. I'll go back to my life, uh, you know, tonight of working and laying around here. And you'll go. But, you know, there's something to be gleaned from yeah. each, those interactions. You know, you're just saying like some people are really, really productive. I'm glad that you put a little, you know, a neat little uh, price tag on that of like, yeah, this is there's some value to this this day because every year the rest of your life now, it's going to go a little bit quicker. 21 crawled by and 22 is going to go by at a certain pace, but so is 23 is going to go a little bit quicker. My years now, it's just kind of weird. They're going by a little bit faster now. I've talked to 65 year olds and they've said, oh my god, the years just went by. So there's there's an art to filling up your time and filling up your life. What what do you want in your life? Some people just want to be uh, laying around, playing video games, smoking weed, having ugly children, and having a terrible life. I mean that's fine. I know a person like that, and it's fine. And it's just too bad because it just it just turns into all this other negative stuff. Some people are super ambitious, you know. I mean, who do you want? You know, which one do you want to be? You know, I don't know. I don't think either one's wrong. You know, it's more like um, in my little situation, I want to look back and see a lot of output. Man, Aaron, I love all of this. I want to transition to this part of the episode where 
Every single episode, I love to ask three questions to all of my guests. Okay. And so I just wanted to kind of do a speed round through these last three questions. The first question is this. How would you describe the kind of person that you most admire in the world? Oh, wow. I would say this, and a general sweeping you know, description of someone. Someone that's confident inside their own skin. Mm. You know, be it if they're big, if they're little, if they're too tall or they're, they're too tiny or they're too wide or too whatever the hell. Confidence is a weird thing, you know, and seeing someone comfortable in their skin is really, you know, because I'm a, I'm a man of size. And, of course, I squirm like anybody else and I don't fit in certain plane seats and shit. And I'm always trying to, you know, wrap my head around what it's going to take to you know, lose 500 pounds to get down to a fighting weight, sure. Um, but, um, you know, I when I meet people, they're like, wow, man, they're just really confident in their lives. You know, what they want to do, they're doing it. They're grounded, you know. They, they're not using uh, weed and alcohol and cigs and bullshit as these gnarly, like, uh, crutches. No, they're, they use those things to get creative. I mean, I'm not going to say you shouldn't or should do any of that stuff, but it's just interesting how... You know, like for me, you know, like to you know, for drinking, I, I, I maybe a couple times a year I'll have a couple little sips of something nasty and get a little wobbly, and that's enough. You know, on to the next year. I just don't ever want it to be something that is just predictable. Yeah. But you know, I'm just trying to think of people I really look up to. You know, and 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 the qualities that they have and they exude, which are just sort of like, I have a buddy who, you know, he's a bit of a monk almost. You know, and there's something. Like, okay, he was the first guy who challenged me and said, why do you even need to keep the records you're listening to? Now that you have a little MP3 player, you can condense those down onto this little bit of, you know, this iPad or iPhone or whatever it was. Why do you even need the physical object? And then he would say, all those books on the wall, you read them, right? Now let them go back out into the world. And there was a very interesting detachment there to the physicality of, like, objects and things and stuff. And it was just a lesson because I love my record collection, of course. But I haven't listened to a record in probably five months because I've just been on the road and going crazy and whatever else. But that was a great lesson for me because he showed me how temporary and goofy the world Mm. is. He taught me that you can, you know, the freest you'll ever be is when you're like, you know, we don't have all this stuff weighing you down because I'm going through that with my dad, you know, like, holy shit. I mean, this was his home. He loved tinkering on all these things. But, you know, I don't expect to be some, you know, uh, 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 you know, whatever, just up and split and go ramble and walk the earth with my three possessions. But that's someone I really admired because... It's not about that for him, coveting these little physical, temporary things. He covets experience. He covets, um, you know, uh, like downloads of information to himself. You know, and then it, he just gets rid of the media. And he's, you know, he lives a really Spartan little life, and there's just something about that. So there's a long-winded answer. I mean, can you ask That's me good. something simple like, you know, how many characters are in, uh, in the physical math equation of uh, the angle of the dangle of pi or something? I don't know. Well, I'll figure that out. Here's one that's a, a, a step simpler. Okay. Question number two. What are you consuming that you love right now? What's one thing that you're consuming that you love? 
So what am I consuming right now that I love? Oh my gosh, I just went through three seasons of the Eric Andre show. Have you ever heard of this guy? I have not heard of this guy. Okay. Comedian. Um, he was on Marin last week. So I, uh, maybe, maybe two weeks ago or last week. But I listened to it. And those guys, of course, had some kind of beef, much like everything Marin does. And, <laughs> and, and then, you know, they kind of mended their ways, you know, on this podcast. So I was like, well, who is this guy? What does he do? Well, it's a physical kind of comedy where it's like kind of like jackass kind of comedy. They're out doing skits on the street and messing with people. But even better than that, it's about, it's like absurdist comedy. So they bring in these, you know, stars to this, you know, bullshit talk show. He is completely inappropriate and completely funny as shit because he's just tearing down so many little walls of like, we don't even know how to laugh at ourselves. And this guy is just so outlandish. It re- it's a great reminder that you can just be... To- I, mean, I mean, you'll see. Just go... All you people listening, go watch the Eric Andre show, one episode, and you're going to get hooked. It's so dumb. But I just haven't laughed like that in a long time. So I don't know. I mean, that's what I've been consuming, you know, and um, uh, yeah, next question. That's great. My final question is, based on the ways you've chosen to step out and live your life differently, what's one thing you'd encourage someone else to do in their own life today? So kind of based on this conversation we've had, kind of the themes that we've gone over, what's one practical action step somebody could go out and take tomorrow to not to follow down the Aaron Draplin path, but to follow down their own path in the same way that Aaron Draplin is following down the Aaron Draplin path? Hmm. <laughs> well, what comes to mind is just sort of savoring the sort of inconsequential, you know, savoring the small little moments that do add up and how to look at those things a little bit differently. You know, it's kind of like, you know, I kept the blog for years and years and years and I've let it fall off because the book is at the top of the, of the blog right now, you know, because I just was like, God, man, how much more can I show? Here's a book, go buy the book and you're going to see 256 pages of totally all this stuff. So I just took a break from it, you know, but I will say, you know, there's something about, keeping track of your life. Like I've, I've had, you know, I've kept journals since I was 13 and I wrote down the entire experience moving out west and that's somewhere and someday, I don't know if I'd even transcribe it, I'm sure it'd be the most painful thing, but I have it all written down. So I would just kind of say to stop and look at things and go, gosh, you know, make a note of things, you know, and sure, in your field notes, sure, but make note of things and then you know in a year from now step back and go oh that's what I was thinking about because a year is going to go by you know so I don't know it's just you know like I love my blog because if I'm in a pickle right now and I'm like I can't remember what I did that weekend that blog is there and it tells everything I mean as nerdy as that was or as painful as it could be to have to go back and like let it slip for 10 days and go god what did I do this that this and that day it's like an archive of your life you know, and sharing things. So that's number one is to just sort of, you know, be able to understand what this thing's going to mean a year from now and mm-hmm. somehow make it a note of it. I don't know what that even means. Or just capturing something. That could be with a photo or a little quip or just, you know, not everything is just vapor. You're just trying to get through your day and just trying to go, you know, whatever. Um, 
And uh, I don't know, something kind of along those lines. Because I just, as you know, as I'm 42 years old, I'm looking at the rest of my life and going, okay, these were cool things in the last 42 years. But, you know, you don't really even get to start living until you're about 18 or 19. Because you're still in your mom and dad's house and you're still, you know, fed and clothed and all that kind of shit. So I have to say, it's only really been about 23, 24 years where I've really been in control of my own life. But I've got, I hope, another 25 years of living, you know, or 30 years, or maybe even, I don't know, maybe a day. I could die after this podcast. Who knows? If I do, Brandon, it's been great. Um, <laughs> and your producer is such a nice person, too. But um, what was his name? Uh, Jesse. Jesse. Jesse's the best. Jesse. And fun fact about Jesse, he makes the world's best chocolate chip cookies. Yeah, so I can tell. I can tell. If you're ever in Nashville, he'll make them. Well, I'll talk him into making them. Yep, yep. In Nashville. <laughs> I, listen, I was in Nashville. You little pecker woods. I was in Nashville about uh, three months ago. Uh, and I spoke at the Emma Marketing Conference there. But great. I got to go meet Kurt Wagner from Lamb Chop uh, just a bit south of town at his home. And I don't know if you like Lamb Chop, but I love Lamb Chop. They're my favorite, very favorite Nashville band. Um, and uh, uh, man, incredible. And the nicest guy, and that was right in Nashville. So I mean, I you know I went to Grimey's, my rental yep. car. That Love was cool. Grimey's. Incredible record store. Holy shit! It's I great. stayed as far away from all that uh, Hollywood country bullshit. You oh, know. me too, man. I've never even done it. And I all live right. Here. I mean, I mean, you know, there's you know, for every one of those sorts of bands, there's some kind of like, who was that one? She's on Third Man Records or something. I don't know. There was some neat country girl that was like. You know, beautiful and kind of harkening back to this kind of like Loretta Lynn thing, and and it's 2016. So that you know, for all the hokey shit there, where people have you know uh, breast implants and fake you know <laughs> testosterone uh, beards, and for every stupid ass uh, Toby Keith, well, there's you know lots of sort of indie shit going on there too. But yeah, I mean that's what I would say. I mean to go down the path of <laughs> I don't know, just being able to stop because what it's done for me is it's allowed me to have perspective. And remember a lot of the days from the last 25 years of my life. And then move forward and go, okay, you know, I know what I like. I know what I like. But why don't I like going to the beach, you know? Well, there's not going to be a lot, you know. <laughs> Might as well start going to the beach, you know. Or yeah. why don't I like, I don't know, something. I mean, it's just, it's allowing me to challenge myself, you know. And because I made some notes or her. <laughs> Or just was cognizant of how time passes. You know, it's real easy to let years go by and then people say really stupid things like, I didn't do shit. That's insane. I did a lot of shit this last bunch of years, you know. And somehow, I tried to document it. So, yeah, there you go. And keep track of your life and know that it's going to mean a whole lot more a year from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. That's so good. Aaron... This has been great. I love this conversation. Like I'm looking at my notes and we didn't hit a single thing in my notes. And earlier you and I talked about going off script and cold bear and how that's so much better. Well, yeah, and, I mean, while we're on this thing, you want to challenge me with a bonus question from your notes? Cause that makes me feel like no, I was no, talking Aaron, too much. I mean, should you no, try something? I'm not no, curious what you want to ask. The, no, the amazing thing is, so here's the thing. Everybody can go to YouTube and they can search Aaron Draplin sure. and they're going to find the Aaron Draplin story. And a lot of my questions were, you know, me picking at some of those highlights of that and digging in, hoping that we could get deeper. But the amazing thing about you, and I should have known this because 
you know, I've met you before. You know, we bumped into each other at an airport. I know you're a great guy, but you're also, you're a little bit of a philosopher. And good guy plus philosopher equals the fun conversation we've got to have. Cool. We've gotten to have. And I love that we just dove straight into things in the first 15 minutes and we just got deep. And that's the goal for every episode. And so, dude, this has seriously been so good. And I'm so glad that we got to go off well, script and you guys, have this you, great conversation. You and Jesse, you got to get your act together and, 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 and trim it up into a nice 14 minutes. Good yeah. luck on that. I don't know. I mean, criterion collection, riffraff here. <laughs> Man, Aaron, if people want to just follow along with your work and what you do, where can they find that? Go to fieldnotesbrand.com right now and load up on some 995 three packs. Oh, yes, they can. They can go to draplin.com. We're always shipping things you need. If you know, if we don't have it, you don't need it. That's our policy. And uh, posters and hats and t shirts and decals and Weird plastic things and little leather pouches and just general cool shit that we make with our friends here in America. You can get that at draplin.com and our merch thing. Or you can just go digging around our website to hear tall tales and riffraff. This fall, they can come out you know, and see me on a, some kind of a half-ass book tour, which we'll, we'll be going all over the nation uh, for two and a half, three months, going wherever the hell they're going to have me. I mean, I've gone to a lot of places, you know, and I, we didn't even talk about that, which is so cool because... I'm really lucky to have gone and done it, but um, I'd rather they discover that. You know, we talked about yeah. the, the, the universe and, and the, the idea of nothing versus something and all sorts of other shit. But this fall, we're going to be in, a, in a, a gas pig, a Conaline van going wherever they will have me. Those dates will be up soon at draplin.com backslash gigs. And then, of course, you can go to ddcbook.com and get the book. Pretty much everything, which, uh, well, 256 pages of... Um, Everything I could pack into a book. And the you know, shit that's not supposed to happen, happening. You know, I didn't get into this game um, to make books. I got into this game to make a living and, and selfishly try to make a life that I like for myself, right? And I have to say, I've done it. I've done it. I've done it. And in that book, it's just one big, you know, orange celebration of all the shit I got to pull off. You know, the warts, the moles. Um, you know, one page of vitriol in the back. You can find that, and then you know all sorts of stuff. So ups and downs and sideways. You know, pretty much everything by the Drappen Design Company. Go get the book. There's still a nice pre-order price on Amazon of twenty-seven, twenty-eight bucks. I mean, seriously, what did you pay for breakfast today, Jesse? Yeah, in the back they're listening. What'd you pay for breakfast? Probably <laughs> sixteen bucks at some bullshit place with an ampersand. I don't know. I don't know you guys, but. For twenty-eight bucks, you can get the book, or for forty bucks, you can get it in any number of stores all over the nation. So, get the book. So, yeah, fieldnotesbrand.com, draplin.com, ddcbook.com, and then of course, you know, you know, on the tour, like in flesh, fart, bone, sinew, and sweat, you can meet me, and we'll talk about graphic design and life and the universe and thick lines and orange shit and whatever else. So, thanks for your time, man. I really appreciate you having me on here. Man, thank you, Aaron. This has been so good. And uh, if you come through Nashville on your tour, I'm going to be out there to see you. All right. Well, thank you. And uh, yeah, see you guys around. Sounds Good with Brandon Harvey is part of the Gradient Podcast Network and is created in collaboration between me, Brandon Harvey, and Gradient. 
Check them out at gradient.is. That's gradient.is. Thank you so much to everyone who tuned into the podcast this week. If this is your first time listening, subscribe to the show to get new and inspiring stories downloaded straight to your phone in your sleep every single week. If you really connected with this episode, let's totally talk about it. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram and just about everywhere else with the username at Brandon Harvey. And that's Brandon with an E-N. And with that, that's a wrap for this week's podcast. I'll see you online and I'll talk to you next week when we get the opportunity to learn from another inspiring person. Sound good?